Welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 183. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are going to complete Star Trek the Animated Series with the final three episodes of season two, Albatross, How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth, and The Counterclock Incident. Here we go. Albatross Season 2, Episode 4, Production Code 22019, Original Air Date September 28, 1974, Directed by Bill Reed, Written by Dario Finelli, Guest Appearance by Lou Scheimer as Demos. The Enterprise visits the planet Dharma to deliver medical supplies. The authorities immediately arrest Dr. McCoy for mass murder. The Darmenians allege that 19 years earlier, Dr. McCoy had supervised an inoculus program against the Syrian virus on Dharma II, and that once he left, most of the inhabitants died from a plague. The Darmenian government believes the plague must have been the result of from McCoy's activities there. Captain's log, stardate 5275.8. Underway for planet Dramia II for investigation of McCoy case. We are beyond subspace communications with Starfleet and proceeding under my own authority. Adam, you were commenting that these are your favorites. So why don't you start on Albatross? Albatross, you know, it's funny. I kind of, the first five minutes of this episode kind of seemed pretty, um, I was kind of intrigued, you know, you know, they're on this planet. It seems everything's all kind of cool and everything. And all of a sudden they arrest McCoy. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking, oh, there's going to be some sort of trial or investigation kind of thing. So it could be kind of interesting. Um, but no, he gets arrested and then we spend 10 minutes. Wait, go- wait, wait, wait. When they arrested him, you didn't, your first thought wasn't, I bet we're going to see some blue people. <laughs> wasn't my first thought. Okay, continue. <laughs> so then we spend 10 minutes of Enterprise going to this planet to investigate another minute of them finding some random person who knew McCoy back then, and then 10 more minutes coming back to the planet, and then they solve this plague at the end. That's kind of what the episode was. Them just going to this planet and then coming back. Kind of very uninteresting for me after the first five minutes. Yeah, I had the same feeling like where it starts off, and I think I even wrote down, this is kind of cool, this is kind of interesting. It felt a little bit more like, I don't know, almost one of the live action type episode storylines but it, it, i mean that in a good way you know like it felt like they had somewhere to go and yeah like there was going to be this interesting story of investigating and very quickly it went downhill and i feel like we didn't get any of that no. um uh the guy doing the voice for demos who was that steve uh, lou Scheimer, he's involved with the oh. production yeah. yeah right yeah he was terrible <laughs> <laughs> his, his voice work was He's now obviously not a voice actor. Um, I like the way the uh, apocalyptic planet or whatever they went to, that kind of looked cool, um, you know, in the background. I guess it was more in the background, but that was kind of neat. But yeah, mostly I just like the setup of the of this episode. I like the idea of it, but then it didn't go where I wanted it to go. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I've talked a lot about this fine line in the animated series. Like, I want stuff that they can only do in animation, but... If you're going to do something that's a little bit more like the live action stuff, that can be f- interesting too, but it's got to it's got to do something more interesting than you know, Kirk is blue. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Steve, your thoughts here? Yeah, it's kind of the the setup did feel like there there are a number of uh episodes in Trek where there's this kind of um 
let's try to extradite some crew member for something they did in the past. And, you know, are they really guilty or not? You know, we, this, this happens a lot, you know, kind of, and, and, and then when it's really, you know, it's good, you know, that's fine to repeat, um, those, you know, a kind of a theme or whatever, but they, like you said, they do that. And then usually the best part of these kind of episodes, the trial doesn't happen at all. And, and instead it's this kind of, it's kind of confusing. Like what's the point kind of roundabout, trip they take and then the and then it's yeah it's almost like a they it's almost like they uh, have to throw in something that's they can only do in the in the animated series you know i mean we already had like the creepy funny looking aliens and that's that'd be enough you know but then they have to do the whole color change thing which is really it's just silly um and, and yeah i didn't even I didn't even understand why they were changing. They said something about the Aurora. It's some progression. They, well, they thought it was a progression of the disease and turns out it's independent from the, in the disease, from the disease in some sense or another. And so it's just, it's just one type of disease and the color changing is just because they're near an Aurora, which makes no sense. And yeah. that's the, I guess that's the confusion about it's McCoy's fault for the whole thing and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, know. I was thinking to myself, if it's the Aurora, wouldn't everybody change color? Or do you have to have the disease and the Aurora as a combination of two? I was just, yeah. I probably spent and what, like. And I, what if it's a Wednesday? <laughs> Does that make a difference? You turn purple. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, just saying that in the whole drama of when the, that guy that they brought along, the old guy who's the witness, and he turns blue, and it's like, he may be too late. He's blue. It's kind. Of, it's just so stupid. Hmm. Well, why did he turn blue if he if okay i'm sure i just missed something obvious here but later they realize oh he he survived because he was inoculated and he had something or other so uh that's what we need to give everybody else so that they can survive how did he turn blue again did his inoculation just wear off after all the years or i don't something? know that's good and also, he's literally the first one, right? That turns yeah. blue. Right. <laughs> if anything, he, I don't know. Maybe he shouldn't have been first. I, I don't know. That that part was confusing to me. Maybe he was just cold or choking. I mean, we didn't, I don't know. They didn't check his uh, airway. Right. Yeah. I think I laughed. I did laugh out loud with the whole shuttle bay doors thing opening. <laughs> let's just leave the shuttle bay doors <laughs> opening, and then they show a picture of let's they show a picture of the of him looking at the shuttle bay doors opening. As, like, oh, yeah, right. As they open, because <laughs> <laughs> he's dumb as a cockroach or something. You know, I mean, like, oh, there's the mousetrap. They something. didn't just leave them open. <laughs> they accidentally opened them right now as I'm flying up. It's great. <laughs> when they just put somebody in the shuttle bay and wave him on in. Oh. <laughs> so that, that was amusing to me i guess and you know on the on the long trip there and the long trip the trip back was fun you, they had that long that long where the enterprise is just going across the screen with the stars and the music it just takes forever it's like it was almost like a screensaver to me. <laughs> right. well, I, I think they like, had to pull some time there or something i don't know it was like <laughs> yeah i noticed that too i did <laughs> i like the design of the Dreamians, I guess they are. Yeah. Um, I thought they looked kind of cool. They looked, they had that look that worked in the animated series that I don't think would have worked in the live action or, yeah, it would have been hard to take them seriously. Live action. Right. This episode about anything? Could have been. Um, don't jump to conclusions when there's a plague. I don't know. I'm, 
Um, another stretch could be McCoy. You know, like I said, that's part of the reason this is a disappointing episode is because you could have gotten a lot of um, story about McCoy, you know, a little history there, or a little canon for the character. Um, but there's kind of nothing there. I mean, you know, you see McCoy kind of doubt himself for a minute. He's like, maybe I did cause this. Maybe I didn't. But it doesn't really go anywhere. So it's hard for me to kind of say this is about anything because yeah it's kind of on the verge of being about a couple things if they would have gone you know i say on the verge i mean not even really that close but i mean if they would have kept progressing they could have been about (laughs) something like that it could have been about self-doubt and believing in yourself or it could have been about jumping to conclusions like you said but i don't really think anything was came out of this really yeah so what you're saying is albatross almost doesn't suck (laughs) All right, let's do six degrees for Albatross. Um, Adam, you're going to get the show. Do you guys remember two weeks ago who got two questions? No. No way you remember that. Who went first? Okay, nobody's going to remember that. I'm just arbitrarily picking Adam then. Alphabetical. Adam. Yes. What was the Dramian leader's title? The Dramian leader's title? Dramian. What was his title? Um, he was not the captain. He he had a f- government title. Senator? No. Steve? Um, governor? Supreme Prefect. Oh, good. Mm. You guys are going to be happy uh, in a month whenever we go back to regular six degrees asking about actors that, you know, played different roles in Star Trek for Voyager, aren't you? Yeah. Because I can only ask questions about Jimmy Doing so many times you know, before I ask Supreme Prefect questions. Mm-hmm. All right. So nobody got that one. <laughs> uh, zero to zero. Moving on. How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth, Season 2, Episode 5, Production Code 22022, Original Air Date, October 5th, 1974, Directed by Bill Reed, Written by Russell Bates and David Wise. Following a signal from a mysterious probe, the Enterprise is immobilized by an alien whose ship resembles a winged serpent. The alien claims to be Kuklakan, god of the ancient Mayan and Aztec peoples of Earth. He says that he is actually a very long-lived, beloved, beloved entity who wants the humans to worship him, as the Mayans and Aztecs did. Upon resistance by the crew, he proclaims them thankless. That ship out there bears a strong resemblance to a god in Mayan and Aztec legends, Kuklakan. Captain, library computer confirms that Ensign Walking Bear is correct. The Mayas had a legend of a winged serpent god who came from the skies, bringing knowledge. Such legends were not uncommon among Earth's peoples, Captain. Then we could be dealing with the basis of all those legends. Originally, when I'm taking notes, you know, I, I abbreviate things. And my original note, I had one of my first notes was, Mr. Walking Bear Comanche recognizes KKK. <laughs> <laughs> Like, nope, I will be spelling out Kukukon's name from now on. Kukukon. So it's it's Kuklukon? Is that right? Or no? I think something like that. Kukukon. Yeah. It's not Shakakon. (laughs) It's not not Kukukon. Right. 
think it's I think Kuklu. I think Shatner, he, apparently he recorded his line separate from everybody else, and he mispronounces it. Yeah. <laughs> so he says it differently than everybody else. So everybody else is right, however he says it is wrong. But I've already forgotten. Okay, nobody cares. Um, Steve, <laughs> please give us your thoughts on how Sharper. Yeah, so this is, um, one of, again, kind of one of these episodes that we've seen in before where the, um, you know, a being that's visited Earth and is godlike and is now trying to say, hey, come worship me again, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so we've, yeah, we've seen this before. We've seen it better. And there's a lot of dumb stuff in here like the only time we see a native American on the enterprise and probably and the only time we see a native American till late next gen happens to be on the bridge. Thank goodness. When the, uh, the <laughs> space, yep. so we can, that's convenient. Um, and, uh, yeah. So we solve a puzzle and on the planet so that just so that he will reappear. Well, I guess, so we can go home because they, why would they want him to reappear otherwise? Um, he kind of looks like a parade float when he reappears, <laughs> just floating there. I don't know, something. Uh, and uh, he's just like all mad and carrying on, but no one seems to care because what's he going to do to anybody? He's just kind of all talk, right? And uh, um, I don't know. It's just the same kind of thing we've seen before in other episodes and just done worse. And so it's just, it, seems, it comes off to me as a little bit silly. I like the the effort, you know, to mm-hmm. put this Native American thing in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that's cool. I like just like a single shot of of him as a little bit of a dragon. He does look a little bit like a parade thing, but I, you know, it's there's an interesting kind of an interesting design. There just isn't a lot of motion there to give it any life. Mm-hmm. So there are ideas in here that I like, but yeah, we've definitely seen this kind of story before. Very very similar. Adam, your first thoughts here? Yeah, I probably pretty much agree with both you and Steve. Um, we, we've seen this before and a lot better. I do kind of agree with you, Brian. I like the idea of them exploring the Aztec and Mayan civilizations. You know, um, most of the time we kind of just get, um, you know, Roman or Greek for the most part when, you know, they kind of go back that far. So it was interesting to see the Mayan and Aztec cultures explored a little bit. Um yeah, their ideas probably you're probably right. The ideas that this probably looked a lot better on paper than it actually translated even onto even for animation. They couldn't they, there wasn't any motion for the the creature that he turned into and the ship turning into a dragon seemed kind of weird too. But all in all, it's kind of goofy and said I you know, there's other than kind of having some laugh out loud moments because it's kind of goofy. Um I, I thought it was kind of not a very good episode like steve said we've we've seen this kind of storyline done before and done far far much far better and it kind of makes you wonder how many how many different aliens came to earth in the star trek universe and were were gods figure they'll be running into each other and stuff yeah Yeah, exactly at some point they got to run into each other makes you wonder if there's a show on i think it's on history channel um the ancients oh yeah Mm -hmm. you know they got all their ideas from star trek (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. They had an episode of that show, and it was all like, you know, of course, it's like what, it, like it's like any of it's real, but like, like yeah. they do something, and there's it's all Cuckoo just from Trek episodes, you know, or something. <laughs> it must have been real. Kirk, Kirk, saw it. what was the what was the name of the episode, Brian or Steve? That with 
the what was it apollo who, who cries for adonis who mourns for adonai yeah i mean that's what it's most yeah, like this is definitely yeah they, uh, this was supposed to be a conscious reference to that because uh, one of the writers was a big fan of oh. gene coon and i think gene coon had just passed away not long before oh, this so there that was conscious that it's similar mm-hmm. to that a little bit of an homage yeah. Well, then they should have had like Scotty busting in there saying, don't touch her or whatever and getting zapped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Hmm. I, I think this is this is probably a better episode than the previous one, but maybe I enjoyed like Albatross had more for me to have feelings about. Sometimes it's better to... <laughs> To not like something than to feel um, ambivalent about it, I guess. I don't know. That's I don't even know what I'm trying to say with that. You guys like this episode? Well, I, I kind of feel the same way about this episode that I did the first one. That they, it, there was there's potential in it. I mean, you know, I don't have a problem with them rehashing, you know, old storyline storylines. If I'd had a problem with that, there half the Trek episodes I wouldn't like. Um, it's just the it just kind of just falls flat and it's kind of goofy and no has no real direction by the end of it you're just just kind of left feeling i just kind of felt left empty kind of similar with um albatross it's just kind of like this kind of could have been interesting and a lot of fun but it really wasn't i mean at least this isn't really there's not a confusion factor on this one like the first one i feel like it just kind of totally just takes a turn and you're like why are we even doing this or why did they choose to do this and it doesn't seem to serve anything i mean i get kind of like the the uh excuse me um the line in this one where this to this to this to this and whatever i mean i get that and you know the notion of outgrowing your gods again we've seen it so many times it it doesn't feel fresh and so it feels like you're you know what the uh, supposed message of the thing is like in the first minute or two or something of the episode but um since all that's there but i guess just because it's so kind of worn out and old and doesn't really give you anything new i don't you know i think maybe because of you know that it could have something to say even if it's old same old same old maybe it's better than the first one that way but well that clearly leads us into what it's about anything then it's just missing um no this one has a little bit more of what it's about i mean you know they kind of have that thing at the end kirk's like we've grown up we're not children anymore and that's kind of you know you kind of good thing this episode came (laughs) before the next one right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah i mean you got you move on from your parents you become independent and your own person even species do that i guess that's what it's trying to say yeah i mean i think i think it's trying to say that in the same way that like, who mourns for Ad and i says that you know but i just don't think it does it as well and i you know so so it, it's it's trying to say a little something there makes it not making it not too bad but it just i'm I don't feel particularly strongly about it, and we're, you know. Where would you guys put this one? Just overall in the animated series, average, above, below. I'd put it below. I'd probably say average. All right, let's do six degrees for how sharper than a serpent's tooth, uh, Steve. Including the cage, this episode marks the one hundredth appearance of which main character? Hmm. Um, spot? Yes, sir. Moving on. 
The Counterclock Incident, Season 2, Episode 6, Production Code 22023, Original Air Date, October 12th, 1974, Directed by Bill Reed, Written by John Culver. The Enterprise is taking its first captain, Commodore Robert April, and his wife Sarah to a diplomatic conference on the planet Babel for his planned retirement ceremony. When it encounters a ship flying at fantastical speeds directly into a supernova, the Enterprise attempts to assist by grabbing the vessel with a tractor beam and locking onto it. But instead, both ships are pulled through the supernova and into a negative universe where time flows backwards. Captain's log, stardate 6770.6. The Enterprise has passed into the most alien landscape I have ever seen. We are in some reverse universe where black stars shine in a white void. We are still in the toe of the alien ship, both of us having survived the extreme heat of the Beta Niobe Nova. Final episode of the animated series. Steve, start us on Counterclock Incident. Um, yeah, this is one I remembered. I mean, I, I remember them more or less, all of them, but but because of the appearance by Robert April and the, um, you know, getting younger, of course, and little babies and kids on the thing and on the, on the, sh- on the bridge and whatnot. And... Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's, I think, I think there's a couple issues I have with this one. I mean, I think, I don't think it's like not entertaining or something, but I think it's, you know, the whole ageism thing is a problem. You know, when you have this notion of them speaking of a mandatory retirement age, and then the whole thing in the end is like just, oh, great, we're reviewing it. Maybe you don't need to leave and, you know, okay, fun. And then, yeah, they clearly in the Federation don't, aren't forced to undergo the same, like, uh, HR webinars that I have to do at the looks all the time. <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. not only do they know how old a person is, they're, they're saying you you gotta you gotta go, you know, at this age or whatever. And oh, too bad, so sad, you know, nothing else. So I mean, I don't know if it's a product of its time where maybe they were trying to say, you know, you can still give to the, you know, you can still provide service to your community, even though you're old and old means 75. I, you know, I don't know that that's, so that's kind of problematic. And you've also got, um, some of these kind of thing, you know, old things like let's reverse universe or reverse dimension or whatever else. And that kind of stuff gets a pretty nonsensical pretty quickly. Like, you know, children that are look older than you and all this. And, uh, the um and and you got the problematic transporter solution like let's just reset it by putting everyone buffer back through the you know again which if that was the case everyone could just be perpetually young we've had any time they use that solution we brought that up and that's a problem um so yeah that's that's what i think about it i think it's 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 kind of interesting. It's interesting to see this Robert April character and you get a little bit of history of uh, the enterprise and so on um but that's about it, you know. Yeah, for me, Robert April and that little bit of Enterprise history, uh, history is the only thing I really like in this episode and that I remembered well. Yeah. I do like that bit, uh, but it's kind of the only thing I I like. I think this episode, I like the last couple we said, well, it's a cool idea that misses the mark for this or that reason. Uh, this, I don't even think it's a cool idea. I think it's just... And it's just too much nonsense for me. Mm-hmm. But Robert April is cool. Uh, Adam, what do you think here? Yeah, I kind of agree. I didn't know who Robert April was before this episode. Is Did he just come about from this episode, or was that something that was... In Gene Roddenberry's Bible, when he originally pitched 
Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Robert April being the first commander of the Enterprise was always in there just as like this backstory. So this universe has this history, you know. Kind of the ship has this, the history of the Enterprise ship. Okay. Yeah. So this is the first time it's really mentioned in any sort of canonic way, assuming we're kind of animated series is canonic. Mm-hmm. But it it wasn't created just for this. Not really. Yeah. Okay. Um, but as far as the episode goes, yeah, I probably feel pretty much the same way you guys do. Um, the science of it's kind of cool. I mean, you know, this kid's kind of ridiculous. What are we at? What are they, they're going warp 30 and the warp 30s. It's kind of just kind of gets ridiculous and they're being pulled by a try. I don't know. Just kinda... That's some of the nonsense I'm talking about, like uh, uh, reverse universe where black stars shine in a white void. Yeah. What's that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. It looked interesting, but no, yeah, I agree. No, it is silly. It just, you know, you know, being pulled through a supernova, just, yeah. And then, you know, they have to find a star that Matt, I don't know. It's yeah. There's a lot of silliness going on in there. I think, you know, I'm with, I think Steve mentioned it too, you know, like, Oh, let's just fix it by getting in the transporter. I thought it was kind of silly that the Commodore April and his wife didn't decide to stay young. I'm like, really? You're just going to go back to being really old. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't it kind of sidesteps kind of... the whole problem of the solution anyway, and why not? Everyone's using it if that's that simple. I mean, it's just sidesteps yeah. it, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, but it, it was done. I think didn't, that was a solution in Next Generation at one point. In... Yeah, they did it there, and I think we've seen it somewhere else too. Yeah, you know, the, the transporter can fix it, which I get. I mean, you know, you it's a simple solution quick easy fix let's just jump in the transporter it'll fix everything um but i i don't know what they were trying to say like no let's go back to being old we've already lived our lives i'm like i i guess that's what they were kind of trying to say that you can't live your life over twice i don't know but i didn't know who um robert april was before this episode so i always remember in the uh, Star Trek Encyclopedia, the Akutas, they had a, a they had a picture of Gene Roddenberry wearing like that Starfleet uniform. I I mean I'm sure it was like photoshopped or something, but I always remember they put his picture in there. Oh yeah. Uh as Robert April. Mm-hmm. You guys with me? Like this is the weakest of the three today? Yeah, because I mean it's it's um the, the biggest thing is, is it's it, this is fantasy. It's not science fiction. There's it breaks the rules of having any kind of plausibility whatsoever. You can get away with one thing or whatever uh, that's uh, kind of like a scra- head scratcher. But when the whole thing is a mess of, like you said, nonsense or just fantastical whatever. I mean, it's almost like a I don't know. It's like a a bad quote unquote sci-fi novel written in the 1800s, right? Where it's just all just, there's no science behind it at all, right? So it's just a bunch of fantastic events that yeah. don't seem to make any sense, you know? And, and I'm, you know, that's, that's something that's not like there's no place for that kind of thing, but Star Trek isn't it, you know? Yeah. And I didn't even really understand why they got younger and that, you know, that five, 10 minute span. Why I didn't, I don't know, maybe missed that. I, I thought about rewinding it, but it didn't really matter to me that much. If you rewind it, they just get old again, and it's pointless. Yeah, because it, because wouldn't the same thing happen to the to the woman when she was on the other side of the unit when she was in our universe? Wouldn't if she gotten older? I don't know. It's, like Steve said, there's so much weirdness and fantastical stuff going on in this episode. It's not even it's not even worth keeping up with because it's just like all right, and this is where we're going. <laughs> 
Uh, I was confused about that too, and I think I was equally um, disinterested in trying to make sense of this one little. Why they got? Why they became infants within ten minutes? I mean, yeah, I didn't get why that happened. I get I, that. Li- I I like the animation design on what they would look like as young animated people. <laughs> Just get big eyes and smaller. Yep. Hmm. It's funny to imagine somebody getting obsessive about it and trying to figure it out and spending a whole day rewinding it and stuff. I think yeah, literally after I got done with the episode, the only reason I think they did, they needed to come up with a reason for April to take command. And that was it. Yeah. Let's just all make him younger. We don't have to explain it. That's how much, that's how much value a 75 year old Commodore has. Like everyone has to become like babies in their pants and diapers and incense <laughs> for him to be worth commanding the ship. <laughs> Uh, it's a shame that they went out on this because I mean this isn't the worst episode of the animated series, not by a long shot, but it's not it's not any good for me. And uh, I couldn't I couldn't really find the official. I, we all assume the reason that this second season, which didn't even only, you know only lasted a few episodes here, but this is the second season they canceled the show. We assume it's because it must not have been getting good ratings. But I couldn't actually find that definitively. I'm sure it was expensive. I've definitely read that it was Filmation's most expensive show by a long shot, purely because of the voice actors they were using. Mm-hmm. It's the only one where they were using all these, you know, the existing actors from this live action show. And I, and I know they were far more expensive than than uh, most of their other shows voice acting. But as we've said, the fact that they're doing the voices is more than half the reason that I'm able to enjoy the show. Mm. But it is a shame that they went out on this episode for me. Yeah. Is this episode about anything? Uh, um, well, I mean, if it's trying to say that, you know, you've got value as you get older, they're doing it in a really crappy way. Right. Maybe it's maybe it's just, maybe, you know, Occam's Razor here. All things being equal, simplest solution is the correct one. Maybe it's trying to say, as you get older, you are useless. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Mm. Let's do six degrees for the counterclock incident. Oh, let's see. Steve has one. Adam. Yes. This episode features our main characters turning into young children. Name the episode of Next Gen that also does this. Episode of Next Gen. Um, I can picture the episode in my head, but I don't remember the name of it. Steve. Uh, is it Rascals? Steve takes it for the day. Two nothing. All right. Uh, real quick, gentlemen. Just wanted to the final thoughts here on the animated series. Adam, especially for, since you've never seen it at all, how did it compare to your expectations? Um, it was above my expectations, to be honest. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I don't know if I'd go back and ever rewatch it from start to finish again, but there are definitely some episodes that were entertaining. Um, I think we talked about this throughout the series. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the original Star Trek series went three episodes, you know, and the whole premise of the show was a five-year mission. Three seasons. Yeah, three seasons. And, you know, this, you know, you kind of get a little bit more out of this. I mean, I'd say maybe I really enjoyed half the episodes. I don't know. It's kind of one of those things when you watch it the first time through, you don't, you kind of have to go back and watch it again. So maybe I'll go back and watch it again years from now and see what episodes I really do like. Because the first time you watch it, you're like, well, you know, this is kind of cool. This isn't too bad. But the next time you watch it, you're like, oh, man, that's kind of not good at all. So 
my eyes might have been a little bit glazed um this first first time through but i definitely enjoyed it did it feel like you know a, a season four of the original series or did yeah, it feel yeah. more of unique than that i mean more of a different thing no it kind of felt more like a um an extension of um the original series to me kind of I mean, not fully, obviously it's 30 minute show and it's animated, but yeah, it kind of, it, it felt like the original series of Star Trek to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely very glad that we have the animated series. I think it just fits in this weird. I remember commenting early on about there was an episode where the guy was sitting there in the sin sick bay talking to his ex fiance about either their divorce or why they couldn't get married or something. And I made a joke about, and this wasn't popular with Saturday morning kids, <laughs> you know, and I still, it's, it still sits in this weird spot for me because it's not for kids and it's, a, it's not exactly for adults either. It's, it's really just for Star Trek fanatics. I couldn't on no planet is somebody flipping channels and deciding to watch this show <laughs> ever. Right? That could happen with the original series. I could see that. Even with somebody who doesn't know Star Trek, I could see them maybe, maybe, especially if it was the right episode mm-hmm. and pulling them in. But never is that happening with this show. I couldn't even get my six year old who I thought maybe, you know, he likes cartoons, of course. I couldn't even really get him to watch it because he has so much content that is exactly what he's going to enjoy. If this was all that was on TV, he would have watched it, mm-hmm. but it isn't. And, uh, so it's, it's, it's a weird show and it sits in a weird place for me. I can, I can put everything else on a shelf, all the other Star Trek shows and tell and, and define them by the time in which they were made and their target audience. And, it's sometimes that's a bigger audience than other times, or, but I can, I can see it. It's clear to me. Um, sometimes I feel like maybe I'm not even the right, uh, I'm not the target, maybe, you know, discovery maybe, but it's still clear to me what they're going for. And with the animated series, I don't, I, I don't see that that was a clear vision from the beginning. I think that was the failure with it. Um, but I am very glad that we have it. I love that we have these extra things with all the same actors doing the voices. If it weren't for that, I would I would not like this show, and I would have I would have no affinity for it. But that's what that's what saves it for me. That I love the original series so much, and I love those characters and those actors playing those characters so much, and that even getting ten percent of that out of this show, I'm very glad that we have it. I really am. It's just, it's just lives in a very weird place. And I kind of think it always will, you know, look at Adam who is a Star Trek fanatic. He does this podcast (laughs) and he'd never watched this show. And for a long time, it was hard to get at, but you never felt like you were missing, you know, you, you know, you never felt like you were missing out because you hadn't seen it, even though you're a Star Trek fan. Well, it's, it's kind of unique because it, it kind of became canon after the fact, right? I mean, most of most of my fandom, it wasn't mostly due to you know just rights issues and stuff like that. But then, more or less, it kind of fell into that definition due to for a variety of reasons, and um, and so then it kind of that shined a different light on it in a sense. Um, I had seen it prior to that, you know. Um, it does play different 
before and after you consider it canon, you know, I mean, like I think we alluded to in one of the other episodes of this podcast when we were covering it, is sometimes it feels really bizarre that it's, you know, canon and, you know, you can consider it that way. But um, I, I think, I think what's also interesting, I, I agree with, I think what you said, it's, it's kind of in a weird place. It's like the, the target audience is, it's, it's it, you know, it, you always, you always fall in a trap when you try to meet in the middle somewhere, you know, if you don't have a, I mean, you either either appeal to the masses, target a, a market that actually exists, something. But if you try to just straddle some line, you're going to be in trouble, you know. And so they put it on a Saturday morning cartoon. So they try to like make it some of it palatable for that at that time, you know, the kids watching Saturday morning cartoons, but also so Trek fans would enjoy. I mean, that's that's a that's difficult, you know, I mean, you're gonna, you have some episodes that feel like, oh, that's what that one is. And other feels like that, you know, but, and I also question, I mean, I, I too am glad it exists, especially because of the voice stuff. And it feels almost like just bonus, bonus original series in a way a little bit, you know, but I, I, I start questioning, does, does what, what Trek is, or what you, we tend to think of what the message is or what they kind of are trying to trying to do in an episode when we say what it's about what it's about is it almost too hard to do that in a half hour episode too you know i mean i i don't think it's about the animation or not animation i think it's more about the length you know um obviously the yesteryear uh, is fantastic they did a great job but that's almost like a like a diamond in the rough kind of thing you know um but there's almost not time to pull it off to, to me yeah you know Yesteryear does seem like uh, the only truly amazing episode. And even then, to me, it's only amazing in the context of Star Trek. If that was the only episode of Star Trek ever made, I wouldn't, I don't think I would think it was amazing. Right, 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 right. Um, so it's still, it's still contingent on the universe of Star Trek in the way that the best episodes of the other series yeah. are not, um, well, just because we're talking the original series, like City on the Edge of Forever. You know, I think you could watch that and think it was amazing, even if you'd never seen any other Star Trek. But right. I'm not sure that's true, true of that. yesteryear. But that's 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 so much of what the animated series is. I think the way you just put it, Steve, is is a good way of putting it. It feels like bonus original series. So if you really love the original series that much, then you can enjoy this show as a weird extension of that and bonus yeah that's kind of where the star trek universe is today it's in a weird place but interesting well i'm glad that we rewatched it it was really cool to see it on blu-ray for the first time and definitely the show is never going to look better than that um so that was that was fun it really was Okay, let's just real briefly. Uh, last time I asked people to write in if they got my short circuit reference, and Data Logan did, and he wrote in, and thank you. <laughs> One listener did. When I said, uh, I think I said, oh, I remember what it was. Disassemble. Mm. Somebody had said something about disassemble. Um, it was Bim and the Johnny Five thing he did and all that. Yeah. Right, right, right. And yeah, and also pointed out that. Uh, one of those episodes was the episode that gave mm. Kirk his middle name, Tiberius, and that we didn't neglect to mention, to mention that, and that was true. Real quick, we got a comment on, you guys hear this rumor mm -hmm. about Tarantino. I've heard before that Tarantino likes Star Trek. I remember listening to a podcast where he talked specifically about Klingons for a while. 
this is a couple of years ago, but I remember, I think I might've mentioned it on our podcast. This is years ago, but I remember being so impressed. Wow. That guy really, he really knew like clear, clearly not just the movies, whatever I remember him talking about. It was like, he, he knew next gen storylines mm-hmm. about Worf and stuff mm-hmm. like specific ones. And then I remember that really blowing my mind. So, but so clearly the guy knows Star Trek and must like it, or you wouldn't consume that, consume it like that way. So I wasn't entirely shocked when I heard that, that uh, he had pitched some idea to JJ and Paramount and that they were putting writers together to write the script. What I was more shocked about was the more recent rumor that it would be R rated and that, you know, Tarantino would want some kind of a final cut and, and that it could be R rated. That to me is pretty, was pretty shocking. You know, now we've had a couple of those MA rated discovery episodes that have kind of blown my mind and changed whether I like it or not. Uh, the definition of Star Trek, which to me has always been kind of family friendly fare, but it's not exactly like there's no coming back from it. But it, if they, if, and this is a lot of ifs, folks, we're talking years away. Most movies that go, get, go into development do not get made. The vast majority of scripts do not get produced. And even uh, when they go farther, the vast majority of, until cameras are rolling, the vast majority of concepts do not actually get made into movies. So it's still, you know, anybody's guess if this will actually happen. But if it did, that's nutty. It's hard. You don't. You wouldn't want to pass judgment on something this far away. Who knows? There could be so much more to it than just saying Tarantino making an R-rated Star Trek movie. But certainly, it's got my attention. Mm-hmm. You guys want to comment on that at all? Um, I actually wasn't. I was tearing up. It just would have surprised me if it wasn't going to be an R movie. It's Tarantino. Of course, it's going to be R. That didn't surprise me at all. But you're right. I mean, it's just it's early on, and it's a lot of it's in development, and who knows what's going to happen. And depends on what they bust out. If they can bust anything out, if it's going to be workable. But yeah, why wouldn't Paramount say, "Sure, we'll do an R-rated Star Trek movie if Tarantino's interested"? I think it's yeah. It, it's it's. I don't know what to think anymore in terms of the plausibility of things <laughs> happening because, you know, it's so dynamic, the world we live in. I don't know if five years ago we could say the way like the current you know, Star Trek Discovery, the way it's produced and what it looks like and how it works and how it's financed and all that stuff. I don't think we would wrap our heads around that a few years ago, you know, in terms of what you, you know, what kind of product can come out of that and how it, co- you know, so you know to, to speak of is it is it ridiculous to say you'd have a trek movie that um tarantino directs and it's r-rated and who knows how it's put together and what universe it's in and all this kind of stuff too well i mean almost anything is possible i mean nothing i i i generally like and as far as just my emotions about it i generally like tarantino stuff i follow it i think it's i think it's intriguing um I don't really, I guess I don't really have a notion. Everything is so um, bizarre. I mean, as soon as we went into this alt universe thing with the movies and they've been coming out, you know, so rarely over this span of the last eight years or whatever it's been. And I have to wrap my head around the fact that they take place in a different continuity than the rest of it. And, and then there's now the TV show that takes place in the original continuity, apparently. And um, look, look, we have something else entirely that's a, uh, you know, an R-rated, like nothing we've seen before movie where, uh, who knows if they're cussing and cutting each other's legs off and carrying on. I mean, you know, sure. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Interesting. You know, <laughs> <laughs> 
Anything yeah. is possible. Is that what you're trying to say, Steve? If there is to be a brave new world, it's our generation that will have the hardest time living in it. Well, isn't that the case for any <laughs> generation? Yeah. The older generation. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you for concluding yet another series with us, with the animated series. Uh, we are going to be back in two weeks to have a spoiler field discussion of Star Wars The Last Jedi for our annual holiday episode where we talk about something besides Star Trek. Um, Adam cannot be with us since he will be on holiday for Christmas. So I hope you have a safe and fun holiday there, Adam. But Steve and I will be back uh, along with a couple of previous year uh, guests to discuss Last Jedi. And then a couple weeks after that, we're going to, our first podcast of 2018, we're going to kick off uh, Star Trek Voyager. Whew. All right. So thanks again for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.